0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Anne Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer.
2: Hello, this is your host, Ann Gelsheimer, and thank you for listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. I am so pleased to announce that the wonderful Roberta Grimes is my guest again tonight, and we are going to have a fun and fascinating conversation about how to stay in touch with those we love who have physically died, but who live on in spirit and are much closer to us and able to communicate than we might imagine. Roberta Grimes is an Austin-based business attorney and an expert in life after death. After two extraordinary experiences of light in childhood, Roberta was determined to understand the afterlife. She has now spent decades reviewing research related to contact with those who have physically passed away. In her first book, The Fun of Dying, Roberta describes what death really is and what comes next. Her book removes the elements of darkness and superstition that once permeated this topic to bring us to a comprehensive understanding of death that is uplifting and even joyful. For those of you who may have missed it, you can still listen to our discussion that we had about this book on one of the previous episodes of Conscious Evolution Radio. That episode aired on March 6th, 6 of this year, 2015. The content of tonight's discussion, however, will be focused on her latest book, The Fun of Staying in Touch. In this book, Roberta summarizes the many signs That we are receiving from the dead and the ways in which we're learning to better communicate with the dead both ancient and cutting edge she even goes so far to say that a telephone line between here and there is on the way we'll also be discussing a wonderful conference roberta's co-chairing that's coming up in september of this year in scottsdale arizona it's called Life in the Afterlife Conference. So we've got so much to talk about. Roberta, welcome come, welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio.
3: Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Anne. Thank you so much for inviting me back.
2: So we covered so much ground in our last interview, and I don't want to repeat too much of it. But maybe we could just have a little bit of a, a summary of... How you see or how you've learned the afterlife is so close to our our life, and how communication might even be possible between the material realm and the spiritual realm.
3: Well, the thing that we are learning, I should just say parenthetically, we have a great deal of evidence it's all perfectly consistent we've been receiving it for almost 200 years so there's just no question it's so consistent and so complete there's no question we do know what happens at and after death um, and in the first part of this century we we began to get good quantum physics for dummies books which helped us to understand a lot more about what it was we were reading when it came to afterlife um, communications and other bits of evidence and we've put it all together And one of the things we learned is the dead are exactly where we are. It's just that they're at a higher vibratory rate, as if we're on Channel 2 and each of us is tuned to Channel 2 into that body that you think you're in now, right now, uh, um, on Channel 2. When you die, you just tune your, your mind to a slightly different vibratory rate, slightly higher, and you pick up a whole new solid reality. So they're right here. Okay. However, <laughs> I, you know to answer the second part of your question, wh- wh- why is communication difficult? Well, it's difficult for the same reason that if your if your um, Channel Five newsman and your seven, Channel Seven newsman were both live and on the air and they wanted to talk, but they didn't have cell phones. They wouldn't be able to do it. You can't. It's very difficult to communicate from from one dimension to the next or one um, level of reality to the next, and that's what we're overcoming at this point. But it's difficult for the dead even now when they try to get information to us because of the fact they're at a different vibratory rate.
2: So, Roberta, tell me about the physical signs uh, that the dead give us that show us that they are they are still around, even given that the communication is very difficult. They're very ingenious and they do find ways. They are.
3: They are. We have very clever relatives and friends. Well, uh, Some of the signs, the most common ones, are obviously very ancient. I think they go back to when they were in caves. Um, I think originally they would find bright pebbles and drop them at our feet. But what they do now is they give us typically coins and feathers. And those are by far the most common signs. People will find pennies typically, although I've heard of people leaving quarters, which would be nice. Why couldn't they leave silver dollars? I don't know. But they tend to leave pennies. And, I mean, if you find a penny on the pavement, that doesn't mean anything. But if you have a recently deceased loved one, and you haven't really noticed pennies, but you're suddenly seeing them everywhere, and, you know, you're looking at that table, you looked away, and then you looked at, at it again, there was a penny there now, and there was not one before, That those are signs from our loved ones. And the same is true with feathers. I mean, we all randomly find a feather or two, but not many. But if you're suddenly finding feathers everywhere, those are signs from your dead loved ones.
2: You know, and for some people who are really into angels, it's also a sign from angels. It's funny, I guess anybody, you know, if I wanted to send a sign to a friend, I could pick any medium that I like so that dead loved ones can use a feather, but so do angels apparently.
3: Yes, I know almost nothing about angels. I'm very focused on death in the period right after death and all the things we can learn from that. but I, I know that there's there are many other areas of the, what is an enormous topic. It's really a whole new science, this study of what happens at death and the area where the dead live and the way consciousness actually works. This is a huge topic. And some people uh, really are experts in the area of angels. And yes, um, I have heard that they also lead feathers, partly because we think they have wings. Exactly. If, they have, if, we ever, if we ever see them with wings, they're indulging us. They don't normally walk around with wings, apparently.
2: You're absolutely right. It's true. It's just it would be something that we would recognize. Yes. So tell me some more. I know we've got coins and feathers, and I, I know in your book you, you cover many, many ways. Oh, there
3: that. are lots of things they do. It's important to understand that the minds of the dead are much more powerful than our minds. Mm. We, we all have p- powerful eternal minds that are part of the same source mind that brings forth the universe continuously, there being no time, that mind is continuously making the universe exist. We're, our minds are part of that, very powerful, but when we enter bodies, we put what amounts to a, a, a dampener or a, um, a regulator on our minds, and they're much less powerful so, I mean, we we can't manipulate our reality here by mind. When the dead, in fact, can manipulate our reality. They can make an object move across the room, um, appear or disappear. They could do all kinds of things like that. And they'll some of them are mischievous, and they will do some surprising things. One one woman told me that she was two weeks after her husband died. She was standing in her living room and looking at the wall. Uh, there was a, a painting on the wall. She's big, heavy painting. She couldn't even really lift it. And as she watched, it lifted off its hook, flipped in the air, and landed on the carpet with a family portrait. And she said, I knew that was my husband. That's exactly (laughs) what he would have done. And he was laughing, I'm sure, the whole time. They'll they'll give us songs that are very, very familiar uh, to us. Maybe the song we danced Mm -hmm. to at our wedding or a favorite song of some other kind or a song that answers a question. You know, we might um, say, are you happy? And then there'll be some song when we enter the elevator that talks about, you know, joy, joy, joy or whatever. So, so that, that kind of thing that they will do for us. And if we do what we should do, which is to say, thank you, please do it again, they'll keep doing it. They'll acknowledge. We need to acknowledge they've done it. And they will acknowledge our acknowledgement by continuing to do it.
2: I love that. That's actually one of my favorite signs is is the music. I have a friend on the other side on my birthday who will send me a song. And I remember standing in a pharmacy once and hearing a song that he and I shared like years ago. And I hadn't heard it in a long time. And there it was on my birthday playing in the pharmacy. And the chances of that was very remote.
3: (laughs) Yes. No, it's remarkable. They'll they'll play these songs on stations that never play that kind of music. It could be a 40 or 50 year old song. doesn't matter. Uh, they will play the song. Um, they'll, they'll influence people playing live music to play a specific song that, that may be important or that conveys a message to us. They will um, create, this is something that typically happens only in the first year after for some reason, I'm not sure why, but they will create in our minds a sense sign. So we will be, you know, maybe thinking of them. They channeled in a thought of them, and then we we'll realize we're smelling grandpa's pipe smoke or uh, grandma's perfume or just some scent. Uh, what One man told me that he and his wife both simultaneously were smelling some stew that their grandmother had made, a very distinctive stew. He and his wife were, were smelling this, and she said, oh, do you smell that? He said, I don't believe it. And he said instantly he stopped smelling it. Because it was happening in both their minds independently, wow. so she continued to smell it. And Grandma said, "You don't believe it? Okay, I don't. That's it." Actually, it was because he said he didn't believe it that he basically made the circumstances impossible for it to happen.
2: Sure. So he kind of shut it down in his yes, own awareness. Yeah, he shut
3: it down. So don't, don't ever do that. I mean, the dead work so hard and they're so they're so excited about being able to give us these signs. Um, all of the signs, virtually, that the dead give us all have just one message, which is, I love you and I'm fine. Right. See you soon. That's all they want to do is to comfort us with the understanding that they are perfectly fine and that they will be, they'll be um, waiting for us. And it takes so little time for us to get there. Whatever age you are now, time is so, so short for this very brief time we spend on Earth. And we'll be very glad to get back when we do get back to the place where we spend most of our eternal lives because, frankly, life is very much better there. They're having a lot of fun.
2: So, and yeah, I remember that in the book you were saying how how full their life is and, 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 and very similar, yes. like learning and different things like that. What, what did you find in the research about the kinds of things they keep themselves busy with?
3: Oh my goodness, everything you can imagine. <laughs> um, they, they, they'll be helping rescue people who are off track or who are in the lowest levels. Um, they'll, they learn to play the piano or the violin or they do artwork. They attend concerts and John Lennon and Yes Elvis play there Frequently, apparently you can attend concerts of every kind of Elvis, early Elvis, late Elvis, Las Vegas Elvis. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, he, he enjoys it. Uh, the word is he, he very much enjoys this, and he is going to continue to do this until everybody who was his fan uh, has actually graduated and gotten to see him in person. And then maybe he'll go do other things. But they play sports. They, they sail. Um, They—they there are all kinds of vehicles that which are obviously mind created that they use. I mean, they can. um, I've seen descriptions of helicopters and airplanes and cars of all descriptions. All these things they do. It's amazing how much they can do.
2: Now, in terms of uh, how they reach us, we talked about some of the uh, things that happen in our waking lives, but there's also things that happen in our dreams, right? Like there's some interesting contact that's possible.
3: Yes. Um, There are several kinds of communication from the dead that can happen in our dreams. Uh, Very simply, people who have died, our loved ones, will sometimes give us what amounts to an experience with them, that feels very real and it doesn't even feel like a dream it's got real physics and it's very vivid colors people talk that's a communication dream if it stays with you by the end of that day to the end of the day then it will continue to stay with you forever and that is a real communication dream if it fades by noon then it was you just happened to dream with grandma Um, i've had two in my life they're not that common but they're somewhat common um, and they're very comforting, my goodness. It's just to have an experience to really be with that person again, which is how it feels, is a wonderful thing. Yes. Another thing that can happen is we can, can communicate with our guides. We all travel out of body when we're asleep, and we meet with our guides. And uh, that's, where, at least that's one of the things we do. We meet with our dead loved ones, too. If you really think you're missing somebody terribly, just be aware. Every night you spend time with them if you want to. It's just, it's not as it's not as negative an experience to lose someone as we always have thought it was because they're not they're they're fine and we'll see them again and meanwhile we see them frequently, but um, sometimes the the experiences we've had we usually cannot remember our communications with our spirit guides but we'll wake up in the morning and we'll have information in our minds which they've put there that's all, the only way minds seem able to communicate with me because I'm so unpsychic. <laughs>
2: You know, I I remember having a dream of a friend of mine who had passed away and we were talking in the dream and it was getting close to dawn. I guess my alarm was about to go off. And in the dream, I, I stepped outside and I saw all these people leaving all the houses in the neighborhood and I realized that my friend was leaving all these other people were leaving they were all dead people who had been visiting with their relatives or friends and they were all leaving just around the time it was getting ready for people to start getting up in the morning it was the most fascinating
3: thing. Isn't that interesting? I've not heard that story, but it makes sense. It's, it's perfectly consistent.
2: Well, yes, it fits with what you were saying, that they are with us frequently, whether we remember our dreams or not.
3: Yes, yes, and the love doesn't change. People don't change when they die. They're still the same people exactly that they were before death, which, by the way, bums out some of them. They hope they end up way better after they died, but we're, they're the same people, and we still love people the way we always did and so it's it's a wonderful thing that we can really be very very close after death
2: this sounds like a good place we could take our uh, break and when we come back in we're going to be talking uh, a little bit more about how perhaps the dead communicate but also how we can communicate with the dead so this is ann gelsheimer on conscious evolution radio and we will be right back
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
4: Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community.
1: Tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at Gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at Gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: This is Ann Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. My guest today is Roberta Grimes, and we are talking about afterlife communication. So, in the first section, we were talking about the many creative ways that people who have died physically but live in spirit are still communicating with us. But the question is how do we communicate back, Roberta? How do we have a dialogue?
3: Well, understand that all you have to do is think of your loved one and you're sending them a signal. Um, You, If you speak aloud, you are sending them a signal plus energy. And so to do those things is good, especially if you notice something that might be a sign or you have some thought of them, speak aloud to them because they can hear you. Um, Beyond that, You know, we all know about psychic mediums. I've had a love-hate relationship with psychic mediums Hmm. in the beginning. In fact, for most of my my research, which has spanned decades, I just didn't believe in them. I thought they were all charlatans. Then in 2003, I read, um, soon after it came out, Dr. Gary Schwartz's wonderful book, The Afterlife Experiments. Right, I saw that. Oh, terrific book. He did double and triple bind experiments with mediums so that the medium didn't know, and the person being read, neither of them knew who it was going to be doing the reading and who the, who the, the victim would be, and they never saw one another. Sometimes they did. The, the person being read was not allowed to speak. It was just impossible for there to be any fraud on any level, and yet he found that there are psychic mediums, for example, John Edward, who he tested at above 90% accurate. That's not possible if it's not real, And subsequently, I have found um, one especially medium who I think is extraordinary, and I'm using her actually right now to communicate with and finally get to know uh, my primary spirit guide, who's been there all my life. I just kind of ignored him, (laughs) which is not a good thing to do. but, uh, but, But mediums are another wonderful way to communicate. If you can find someone who is really good and basically certified to be honest,
2: Would you care to share the name of that person?
3: Yes, Um, her name is Suzanne Wilson, S-U-S-A-N-N-E Wilson, Great. Uh, the carefree medium. She she is, uh, uh, I first met her last summer at the uh, Afterlife Awareness Conference that we had last year, and she was. Uh, just everybody thought she was terrific. She was blowing people away. So come uh, the early, early part of this year, my mother, who had been dead for two and a half years, I knew was just saying, for peace sake, why aren't you trying to get in touch with me? I knew she was fine, but okay, Mom. So I contacted Suzanne and had a reading, and it was just unbelievable how accurate she was about mm-hmm. little quirky things that nobody would have known except Mother, and the personalities were all the same, in fact, of all my relatives. So I said, okay, I found a real medium, finally. And uh, I have had just had a second reading with her. I think she's great.
2: That's fantastic.
3: But, but you've got to be careful when you look at for, for psychic mediums because yeah. so many of them... I've had dozens of readings with psychic mediums as I was trying to do this research then, so is by far the most accurate I've ever found, and some of them, even highly paid ones, were, were not especially accurate, and were kind of vague. You know, a uh, uh, woman to decide uh, could be your mother. Uh, well, no, my mother's here, but my, my, my aunt died. Oh, it's your aunt. I mean, it's just that kind of a, they're, they're letting us lead them. You just don't want right. that.
2: Right, um, I I actually did interview Su- Suzanne Geitzman, who's an evidentiary medium, also assessed also by. Good, yeah. Oh, she's lovely, and yeah, so there are some good ones, but you do definitely want to do your research.
4: yeah
2: Now, for those of us who just. Really want to foray in there and, and and have those conversations or have that contact ourselves. You listed some very interesting ways we could do that in the book. So let's let's talk about some of the ways that you would not recommend and some of the ways that you would
3: recommend. Well, the the one thing I don't recommend, and some people are cranky with me for this, uh, uh, is um, um, Ouija boards. Right. The problem with a Ouija board is that there are two people who are you know, they've had their hands on the planchette, and for if anyone doesn't know, a Ouija board is like a little board that has letters and numbers on it, and a little sort of traveler that goes around and, and goes to them, and you and a friend put your, your fingers lightly on the, the traveler or planchette, and it'll spell out stuff, but but the dead tell us that, when, that a Ouija board like that is just like a beacon to the dead. And there are a lot of nasty dead people around. You won't necessarily get people you love. You'll, you may get some very bad people. There are cases where houses have been so filled with negative spirits they had to be abandoned. It just isn't... It's not a It's not a very safe way to communicate, especially if you're not used to it. Right. Um, another thing which I used to think was unsafe, but I've since seen is pretty safe, is it's a pendulum. I'm in the process of helping... Of uh, someone who died at twenty, he would be now be twenty eight, and who's actually a sixth level being, and he wants to write his autobiography, so I'm helping him do it. His mother is the one who communicates with him, and she does it by pendulum. Little circle, it has numbers, it has letters. and but she she carefully calls to her son, like you know, Mikey, Mikey, only my son, Mikey, and asks him a validating question, which he then answers, "What was the name of your dog when you were eight? That sort of question. And then he starts communicating with her, and they have a, a high old time, and he's given some wonderful, wonderful information from a very high level of the afterlife, from which we have really very few people communicating. So
2: Now, now Roberta, how does he do that? Because I always think of pendulums as sort of yes-no instruments. How does he get more detailed information out?
3: It, it's, a, it's a disk. And the disc has, uh, going around in a circle, it has all the letters of the alphabet.
2: Okay, I see.
3: And so um, she holds her, her pendulum over the middle of the disc, and he he will start to spell a letter. He'll go to the A, and so she'll say A, and then he'll go to the, you know, B, and, and oh, AB, um, are, are you trying to say abdomen? You know, that sort of thing. She said right. now she can hear the word in her okay. mind after the first letter. So. It's, it's become kind of a shorthand thing, but uh, it seems to focus his energy, and curiously, other people can't do it with him. You would think if he could communicate by pendulum with one person, uh, through one person, he could do it through other people that are connected to him and that he loves, and apparently he can't. It's just this one person, his mother, but she she was at the conference that we had last July in uh, Scottsdale, which we'll be talking about in a bit, how we're repeating it in, it's going to be better than ever, in September of this year. But she she was there, and one of the things she did was to teach um, parents, especially, how to communicate with their children. The pendulum seems to work very well in cases where someone who's not psychic, but is very emotionally attached to someone who has died, especially a child wants to communicate. It works very well for them. I talked with some people who had taken lessons from her, and for the first time they were in direct communication with children who had died. They were very excited about it.
2: Wow. And in your book you also talked about um, induced communication and how helpful this is with grief work. So could you tell us about that?
3: One of the things that we're coming to understand is you know you might someone say might say, "I'm hearing a sound, and and uh, someone might else say, "Oh, it's all in your mind." We're learning that everything is all in our minds. For right. some reason, I love the the title of your show. Consciousness is really all that exists. And the what what happens with induced communications is that we learn how to make a relationship with people who we thought were dead. In a, in a beautiful place that's very solid and real, and it appears to, that it happens in our minds. I don't understand it, but it works beautifully, and it, it lowers grief like you would not believe. There are psychotherapists doing it. One of them is Rochelle Wright in Washington State, and it takes maybe a day. What she does is she uses um, bilateral stimulation of the brain to kind of put them into a uh, a semi-hypnagogic state, and then they close their eyes, and there are their loved ones on the beach with them, walking, kicking up sand, hugging, real hugs. I don't get it, but they. afterwards, when I talk to people who have gone through it, they say, well, I was at about a 12 in grief, and now I'm at about a 2. Incredible.
2: That is very interesting. I, I've done some work myself with people, and usually using guided imagery, and people will spontaneously uh, connect with someone who's yes. passed over, a pet who's yes. passed over. And the experience that they have in that relaxed, deeper state is very transformative.
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's astonishing how well it works. Uh, and My friend Craig Hogan, who, who is just a, a gifted man who is obsessed with helping people to come to understand what's really going on, he's used um, Rochelle's technique to um, develop a set of of induced communication protocols that we can learn. Um, I think his, I mean, if you Google Craig Hogan, you can find his website, and you'll be able to find this. I can't remember what the the section of it is called, but at his website, he has a list of eight steps, eight things sort of we learn to do gradually to, to get ourselves into a state where we can induce our own communication. I've talked with people who've been through his protocols as well, and really learned them well. I mean, you have to work at it; it's not automatic. But but you you teach yourself to do this. And some people say it's it gets to the point where where it, we're not on the beach anymore. That my loved one's right in the room with me here, walking around and talking to me.
2: Right. Now. Right. When I, when I read that in your book, I, it reminded me a little bit of uh, shamanic journeying where people, you know, from various cultures, practices, you know, learning how to connect with spirit and receive guidance and assistance from sometimes ancestors, sometimes, you know, higher level beings. But very similar, that sort of letting go and letting the experience happen.
3: Yeah, I, I think that this is something we are just at the start of. I mean, human humanity, centuries and centuries ago, you know, before two, two or three thousand years ago, humanity seems to have known a whole lot more about our minds and how they work. But unfortunately, mainstream science has developed a dogma which is atheistic um, um, materialism. Everything is material or produced by matter, and because and that's not true. It turns out nothing is. Material and matter right. is all energy. So, because they have it all so backwards, um, they have basically taught generation upon generation of us what's basically not true. And so, it's very hard for us to, to reorient ourselves to what our ancestors knew.
2: Now, you said in the book that after thousands of years of artificial separation, this is the century when the dead and the living will at last join hands across dimensional boundaries. What gives you the hope for that?
3: A lot of things. Um, The fact that we now understand how it works is very important. This is new. Um, I, I did this journey on my own because I was trying to understand the experiences of light I had as a child. But when I, once I did it and I published The Fun of Dying in 2010, I found a whole lot of other people contacting me who had separately done this research, and we were completing each other's sentences. We all had learned exactly the same set of things about this enormous greater reality in which we live, and it fits with science in so many directions. The problem is that science doesn't understand a lot of stuff, but we can explain it. I read... Scientific American and I'm talking back to the articles because the things they're, they're they're totally flummoxed about, we can explain because this is the next wave of physics, basically. So, so, we, so we have a situation now where finally we're beginning to understand what's going on. We also have a situation where teams of the dead are working very hard to get to us evidence of their survival. And more to the point, they're working with teams of the living, and the, the real researchers are, are dead people. The, the living are their laboratory assistants. But they're working with, with people who are helping uh, to get into place a cell phone, a way for us to call up Aunt Mildred and get the recipe.
2: I love that. I, I really wanted to get to that in the interview because I thought that was <laughs> so fascinating. Isn't that this great? is technology. This is so cool.
3: Yeah, and it turns out we already have had it happen. Um, it's, it's being done much more readily in Portuguese, interestingly, than in English. Portuguese has been, in, both in Portugal and in Brazil, has been in language that's been used a lot with instrumental transcommunication. Um, but now they've gone to a whole new level with it. And when Sonia Rinaldi was at the conference in uh, Scottsdale last summer, she's the leading researcher in, in Brazil. And she tried to bring through some English voices, you know, people, English, people's relatives who spoke English, not a few, not many. And she said to her, her guides, why can't I do it in English? I speak English. And they said, no, you need to have a separate English-speaking station. So since last summer, there have been several different English-speaking stations being worked on by people here who are working with some very famous names. And they think it's going to take about two years to get it up and, re- and running. And it's taking that long because there are very negative entities which are trying to prevent it from happening. They don't want this communication to happen. And so and they've why got would to would be, that be Sorry, Roberta, why would that be? We don't, I don't think, I, I, I'm not the right one to say. My hunch is that they want us to remain ignorant. Because if you're if you have if you're bent upon evil, you want people to be to fear you. And fear actually our fear is something that there are kinds of negative entities that actually feed on. Right. When you know your life is eternal, everybody's fine, you're not gonna be afraid of anything. And they may not like that. They may hope to keep you ignorant. I think that's all I can think of as the reason why. Otherwise they're just you know, talk about spoil sports. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it makes sense what you're saying, that to, to keep us in fear and, uh, and we're certainly more easy to control that way. Yeah, yeah. That absolutely makes sense. Well, let's take our next break right here. Uh, when we come back, um, we're going to be talking about the conference and, and a few other things that were very interesting in your, in your book that i like to bring forward. So this is Anne Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we'll be right back.
0: Or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
4: It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
0: Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: Tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: This is Anne Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. We've been having a wonderful conversation with Roberta Grimes about afterlife communication. And Roberta, i just love to go back to uh, talking a bit more about how spirit makes contact with us. We did talk a bit about it, but you listed so many interesting ways in your book. So maybe we could go into, uh, let's see, we didn't really talk about coincidences and synchronicities and numbers. Where would you like to start?
3: Well, first, let's just mention electricity, because that's a big one that many people notice. Oh, yeah. Soon after someone has died, the lights will blink, or the TV will turn on or off, or channels will get flipped. Uh, And that's a very common thing that they do, because our minds are energy- and they easily affect the energy in our houses. I, it, it must have been much harder to give us signs back when we used to use, you know, uh, candles because there was no way to sort of mess with, with electricity there. But it, it's something. I have a brother-in-law who even 10 years after his death, he was still doing weird things with lights. He, he just uh, he loved doing it.
2: You know, I have an interesting story on that one, just as a personal experience, but a friend of mine used to, when who, who had died, um, had... He used to wake up at a very odd time, uh, very, very early, because he was part of a monastic community. And for a while, when I really was feeling his presence, my alarm clock would go off at the same ungodly hour that oh. he used to get up in his community. <laughs> it would just randomly come on. I did not Thanks set a it. Lot. Like, I don't know, it was 2.45 in the morning or something, <laughs> yes. something ridiculous. But yes. that's how I knew he was there.
3: Yeah, well, I'm sure he thought that was funny. He did. It's so <laughs> not funny to you if you've got to get up in the morning, but, yeah, I that, went to sleep, but a it was a typical pretty cool. <laughs> kind of thing that they do. Another thing, as you point out, is synchronicities. Um, a Synchronicity is anything which sort of is, it seems like a coincidence, but it's sort of more serendipitous than that, more, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, you enter a store and your friend that, you, have, that where you were just thinking of is standing there and you haven't seen her in a year or um, uh, just something that, that your loved one enjoyed doing. You turn on the television and there's a story about the, one, the thing your loved one enjoyed doing. They give us these, because they can manipulate time since where they are, there is no objective time. They're able to, to make things happen that we would think would be impossible and they say it's relatively easy to do. Another thing is numbers. Uh, some of our dead loved ones are very, very good at getting us to notice um, a, a number series. 1111 is the most common one, or 111. Uh, my own, I'm pretty sure it's my spirit guides, give me 3s, 4s, and 5s a lot. I mean, I'm not looking at the clock at all, and we're talking, of course, on digital clocks, and then randomly they'll make me glance at the clock, and there it is, 444. It happens all the time to me, and it's um, unique. And like that it means
2: something to you. You know that those numbers yeah. are, are a way of communicating. It's a hug. They
3: just gave you another hug. Oh, Thank oh. you, guys. Oh, that's I appreciate so nice. It.
2: That's beautiful. Well, you also mentioned. Uh, okay, we talked about dreams, but uh, lights and visions. Like I, I didn't know. Maybe the lights are the flickering oh, that's lights. that's
3: the big one. Oh, the, oh okay. The, people don't. People think that to see a vision of a person who has died that we love would be rare. Studies indicate that more than half of spouses will see a vision of the deceased loved one within the first year, which to me is amazing. But usually it's, it's either when they're sort of settling down to sleep, or as it just says, they're waking up. My mother saw my father as she was waking up from a nap, and he's standing there in the living room, and of course it's not the whole body. They usually just show, they're either bust high or waist high. They don't show the lower part of the body, and they're smiling, and they're happy, and they look young, and then they sort of fade away. Mm -hmm. Very, very common sign.
2: You know, I've had that happen with my cats.
3: <laughs> it and sounds
2: really? funny, but two on two different occasions when my cats passed away, um, the very next morning, like this, you know, so they they died one day. The very next morning, um, I, one I saw actually sitting on my bed looking at me, and the other one was sitting on my bedside table looking out the window, and it was the clearest image I could not have imagined it.
3: Did you see them fade?
2: actually it did it was like almost like I came in they came in very clearly when I was still in that phase just slightly out of sleep but not fully yeah yeah and then when I when I I felt myself really awake it was gone
3: yes because we taught ourselves very very young small children see this stuff all the time because there is of course these these people and animals are exactly where we are so seeing them is easy, except when people are very young. They're taught that that's not real, so therefore they adjust their minds adjust uh, to the to the having it not be real, and they can't see it even though it's right there. But that's why when we are in that susceptible state between waking and sleeping, we can see them. You bring up a good point. Our animals communicate with us a lot. People hear the animal will, uh, will meow or bark, and they don't have an animal anymore, but, and it sounds like the one that they lost. Or if there's right. an animal that slept on your bed, you'll That's sort true. of see the indentations in the cover <laughs> as the animal is walking uh, you know, to the place by your feet, and then you sort of see the indi- and feel the indentation appear beside your, your, your feet where he used to sleep. It's very comforting. A lot, yeah. It is very comforting. Yes.
2: I remember with one of my dogs um, just after she passed, uh, I could hear, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was dark, of course, and I heard what I thought was Tasha walking like her nails on the hardwood floor. Yes. And I do have more than one dog, so I turned on the light. None of them were moving. So the sound that I heard was not produced by any of the living dogs. I really do no. think it was Tasha coming back to say she was fine.
3: It, it would be very strange very much like her to produce a sign uh, as a sound that you would recognize That's a, that's a, a a whether they're people or animals to produce a sound that you are going to recognize and, and identify with them is, is an easy thing for them to do and it's a very very helpful sign just always say thank you whether it's an animal or a person or even if you're not sure say it aloud it doesn't matter that the people look at you funny on the street all that matters is that you're, you're connecting with someone you love It makes them so happy. Let's give them something to be really, really happy about.
2: And Roberta, I know it it isn't always necessary to say it out loud, is it? I mean, it's lovely to, but it is consciousness and it is telepathy a lot of times.
3: Yes, you can think it. And I always used to think that was adequate. But my friend Mikey, who died at 20 and would now be 28, um, insists to me that it's better to speak aloud. okay. Uh, he said that the energy, the energy of your speaking aloud, is very beneficial in helping your loved one to continue to produce signs. So I said, "Okay, Mikey, I'll tell everybody to talk aloud."
2: Oh, thank you. I did. I've never heard that before.
3: <laughs> what else Why does Mikey either, say? <laughs> but, but I think of him as as a uh, as an expert because I've seen him answer hundreds and hundreds of questions, and he's never ever made a mistake. He's very very good. So, um, so I take him as an expert,
2: and coming in from that much higher, higher level yeah. too. Yes,
3: <laughs> let's just say his perspective is much better than mine.
2: So, can we talk a little bit more about consciousness? And um, we, you know, it's been underneath everything we've talked about tonight. Yeah. Uh, just that so that people understand that it really isn't out there and them getting into our minds that we're actually kind of in a sea of consciousness and you know picking up signals. What what would you have to say about that? Well
3: the first thing to understand is that the only thing that exists is consciousness. Nothing everything else that we think of as real is created by consciousness or, or is an artifact of consciousness. And consciousness is eternal by definition. It never started, it never ended. And your consciousness is part of the same source consciousness that brings forth the universe. Um, It's hard to define what it is. Consciousness is extremely powerful. It's an energy, but it's not like a physical energy. Um, The best definition I've seen is consciousness is an energy-like potentiality without size, without form, alive in the way your mind is alive, extremely powerful, highly emotional, and therefore probably self-aware. Brilliant. I think. I didn't write it, but I thought, wow, that sums up what I've learned, so I guess maybe I'll use that. Because it's hard to say. It's ineffable. Even though it is the only thing that exists, and as you say, it's the sea in which we swim, uh, we aren't... It's like a a fish is not aware of water, you know? Right. It doesn't know what what it is to be without the water.
2: Well, I know it's been an area that we haven't many scientists have not been very good at studying consciousness, although I know there's some really wonderful pioneering work going on. But when we do start to understand consciousness in the West, the East is a little bit better than, than we are, then it starts to change everything in terms of what we're capable of, what's possible.
3: Yes. yes. And, and the, I think it's important for people to understand that the problem is that, that mainstream physicists a hundred years ago, actually a hundred, little over a hundred, adopted materialism as what they called the fundamental dogma of science. Anything with a dogma is a belief system. Their belief system is that nothing exists that's not material. Now, they're actually totally backwards. Nothing exists that is material. Only consciousness exists. And it's, it's not produced by the brain, but they cannot allow that to be true and therefore they're wasting a tremendous amount of money and energy trying to find a source of consciousness in the brain. They won't find it. Here's one little, uh, there's so many reasons mm. why they won't find it, but one little thing to know is the Human Genome Project, um, which was which was assumed would would have us have 100,000 genes because C. Gans has 800 cells, tiny microscopic worm. It has 21,500 cells, uh, I mean genes. So 21,500 genes and the guy has only um, 800 cells and no brain. So we have to have a lot more genes, right? Right. The human genome contains 19,000 genes. Mm. So it doesn't even contain as many as that tiny worm. And all of them, almost all of them, predate even primates. So our genome cannot possibly code even for our brains, never mind for our minds and our psychological complexity. It's not possible.
2: That makes sense. Now, I don't want to miss talking about the conference. I want to make sure that because it, it looks so good. Tell us about that.
3: The Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies is doing a conference in September called Life in the Afterlife in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to be September the 25th to the 27th, right. um, and org has all the information. We, we have some extraordinary guests coming, I guess, presenters coming, people who are experts in their respective fields from all over the world, uh, and they they take every every aspect, uh, because life in the afterlife is kind of a big topic, they right. take every aspect of that, and each area is covered by someone who is the best in the world seriously at what at at what he or she does. Mm. I mean Rob Schwartz on life planning and um I, I the other people who who do um Carl Willis Brandon is known to be the expert on uh deathbed visions and things that happen around death over and over and over again. My wonderful colleague Craig Hogan has chosen only the best and there are going to be some twenty five of them there. You, and we'll, you can meet them, you can talk to them, and just to hear what they have to say, if you ever wanted to know about the afterlife, that's the conference where to be. It's going to be just wonderful. And we're also going to have some celebrities, George and Uri of Coast to Coast AM will be there.
2: Oh, that's right.
3: And if, yes, and some others. Gary Schwartz is going to be giving a keynote. He's just my hero. Uh, and he's the one, yes. who, one of the ones who's working on a soul phone. So you don't want to miss that either.
2: He's quite amazing I, I'm looking forward just to let my listeners know I'll, I'll also I'm planning on going and I'm really looking forward to attending the sessions um, if anybody's interested I'm going to have a banner on my uh, website so you can click on the banner um, the uh, life what, it, what was the exact what
3: is the exact title of it the Life in the Afterlife
2: Life in the Afterlife so you'll see that banner just click on it it will take you directly to the um, to the conference website and also we're going to have a, a guest uh, website for uh, Roberta so Roberta will have your podcast there uh, if you've enjoyed this interview you can hear Roberta on a weekly basis on her podcast we'll have your website with your blog I love your blog I follow your blog I comment on your blog I find it so fascinating
3: <laughs> it's, <laughs> so, it's so much fun um, it, it's fun because the, the people who come and read it, I get emails, I get comments there. Everyone is so thoughtful. You know, it makes me realize people are really thinking very deeply about these things. And that's new just in the past few years. Um, it's exciting. What the, the deepening of, of our awareness, the extending of our consciousness is happening so fast on this planet. It boggles the mind.
2: Well, Roberta, I want to thank you because, as always, I mean, I I so enjoyed our first interview, and I've loved our second, and I do hope you'll come back. I know we've got a third book coming up, so uh, (laughs) we'll have another excuse for an interview. But
3: thank you so much,
2: and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the Conscious Evolution
3: Radio. Thank you so much, Anne. Have have, have a lovely day, and everyone thank you, and consider yourself hugged.
2: Okay, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Anne Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com.